This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. God bless all of you. Glad to see you out this Memorial Day weekend. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand and our ushers will get you one. Again, this is our third week in this series. Uh, It's really changed some things in my own life. Really have brought a, a fear of God on me more than I've had in a long time, and so that's a good thing. Once you get your Bible, go with me to the book of Matthew 24. This was the longest things that Jesus himself talked about about end times was in Matthew 24 and 25. I encourage you to read those chapters, and they'll help you. Just to review our first week, Jesus warned over and over, do not be deceived, do not be deceived, do not be deceived. And we begin to see certain things, what he's talking about as we live right now. And then last week, we got over on the things of the world. And remember, the definition of the world was found in 1 John 2, verse 15 and 16. It says that the, the, the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And then in 1 John five nineteen, it says that the whole world, not part of the world, but the whole world lies under the sway, the influence, the grip of the wicked one. And so again, as we talked about it last week, The only way to break away from the things of the world is to be born again, to have Jesus in your heart, and for me to live for him, okay? I've got a purpose in my heart. I'm going to live for the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but I strive on a daily basis not to practice sin and to literally obey the word of God. Now, as we talk here to start with, not, not one human being, not even the angels, not even the Lord Jesus knows the time that Jesus is coming back. Now, you'll always have people that will think they do. I remember way back in 1988, there was a book out, and some of you will remember this, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. Well, it's now 2016, 28 years later, and we're still here. And even many of the Jews, they predicted that Jesus' return would be in, in September 2015. Again, no one knows that. And so begin with me in Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Verse 44, therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming an hour you do not expect. Verse 50, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and an hour that he is not aware of. So again, when people think they can calculate the second coming of the Lord Jesus, it's not going to happen, okay? So what's the, the, the key to all this? I just live for him every day. I live by the word of God to the best of my ability. Now, the same chapter, turn back to verse 15, and I want to highlight some of the areas we're going to go today. Matthew 24, verse 15, it says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. And so when we read this of what Daniel prophesied on several different occasions in in Daniel 9, Daniel 11, Daniel 12, there's words in here that we may not fully understand. And so today we're going to try to give us some understanding. When we talk about the, the abomination of desolation that he's talking about, the desolation or the, the tearing down, 
The desecration of the, the temple is what he's talking about. Now, when we see the word abomination, the word abomination in the Greek means there'll be disgust or repulsion. Idolatry or gross ungodliness will accompany this time. And so there's some things we got to learn about it. So go with me to the book of Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. And again, I don't know we'll ever fully understand all this in here. But we can get a good idea what Daniel and the scriptures say. And so this in Daniel chapter 12. This is literally prophecy of the end time. What will begin to take place. What it will begin to look about. Uh, the Lord Jesus gives us many, many definitions or examples of what will take place. As we look here in Daniel chapter 12, begin with me in verse 1. And at that time, the end of time, Michael the archangel shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch or guard over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, a time of anguish, anguish such as never was since there was a nation. And so he's telling us here, when this stuff begins, that it'll be unlike any things we've ever seen before. It will begin to be so bad. Now, I don't want to highlight just the bad that'll take place. There will be a promise of protection. There'll be a remnant of, of the godly here on earth that God will take care of his righteous. He'll watch over us. And so He's just beginning to lead up until some of the things that will begin to take place. He goes on to say, Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered. They shall be rescued. Everyone who was found written in the book. And the book he's talking about is, is defined in Exodus 32, 32. It's in Luke chapter 10, verse 21. And then it specifically talks about the Lamb's book of life in Revelations 21, verse 27. So every one of us, we want our name to be in that book. How is my name in that book? It's when I receive Jesus as Lord of my life, and I repent of my sins, and I said, Lord, come into my life and become Lord of my life. Now, understand this, that making Jesus Lord of my life is just the beginning point, okay? There's got to be some fruit that, that looks like he's Lord of my life, okay? See, many times people will talk about Jesus being Savior, but in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says that you'll confess him as Lord. If he's Lord, then I obey what he tells me to. He said in John 14, 15, if you love me, then obey my commands. Keep reading here. Verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. They'll rise up. Some to everlasting life. And some to shame and everlasting contempt or disgrace. Now again right there, it lets me know that not everybody's going to make it to heaven, okay? Right there, just look at that verse. Verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. Or the sky, and those who turn many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. And so the ones that lead other people to Jesus, the ones that lead ones to, to turn their lives over him, he said, you'll be like an eternal star. 
That's big because in heaven there's going to be great rewards. He goes on to say in verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now it's interesting here that he says many shall run to and fro. Many shall rush here and there. And there'll be an increase in knowledge. I believe this is talking spiritually and physically, okay? Now, when you see right here the word run to and fro, it's the exact word that the prophet Joel talked about in Joel 2. He says, many will run to and fro. It's interesting also to me in spiritually looking that in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, your adversary, your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking, going to and fro across the earth, seeking whom he may devour. So again, there is spiritual implications here, but when you look at when he's talking about to run to and fro, listen what the message says, and I believe it'll help us. Frantic, running around, trying to figure out what's going on. So it will begin to describe a society that's very fast-paced, frantic, running here and there. Actually, part of this ties into the parable of the sower in Mark 4, specifically verse 19, where it says that many will become dominated by the cares of this world. So if we poll people here this morning and we ask many of you how you were doing before you came in, many of you would have probably replied in one of two ways. I'm tired or I'm busy. I believe, again, this, this kind of highlights on the time frame that we live in. That we are a busy, busy society. How many of you would agree with me that this is probably the busiest you've ever been in your life? Most hands would go up. But yet we're the one who makes our daily calendar, our daily schedule. We're the ones who create that, but I've never seen it so busy. And, and even this ties in to a thing called travel. Now, when I talk about travel here, travel will begin to increase incredibly. Now, I want to take you on a little history journey again here this morning. Before the turn of the 19th century, it said that a person could go roughly between 20 and 40 miles a day, depending on horseback, a carriage, or if you had to walk or run. But after the turn of the 19th century, when the automobile, trains and buses started arriving, travel started increasing more and more. Then in the 1960s is when the commercial airlines really, really begin to come on the scene. And I remember way back when someone traveled overseas, it was a big, big deal. How many of you in the last year have, have traveled internationally? Go ahead and raise your hand. There's many of you. Many of you. Let me give you some stats on that just to show you how in the natural our, our travel has become increased. The two major airlines now, or the major one that can mer uh, merge together, was Northwest Airline and Delta. Now, as their merger was taking place, it said that they would have approximately 3,500 flights a day. 3,500. 
So you begin to do the math. If there's only 100 people on there, on each plane, that's 350,000 people. That's low. If there was 200 people on the plane, that's over 700,000. If there's 300 people on that plane, you start getting over a million people that they're transporting on a daily basis. That's just one airline. And so you begin to see in our society how travel has increased. And you think about this, even in Lubbock, Texas, a, a city of approximately a quarter of a million at 8 in the morning and 4 or 5 in the afternoon, you begin to see rush hour. How many of you would say, I've never seen traffic the way it is? Every one of us would probably say that. I was in Dallas this past week, and I made a wrong turn. At 4 o'clock on I-35... And pastor had to pray for patience, and pastor had to pray that he didn't become suicidal. It was that bad. Again, you begin to see traffic and the hustle and the bustle of the time we live in. And so I believe this is what the prophet Daniel began to see in this vision. And then it said, and knowledge shall increase. Now, spiritually, we see that. There, there is revelation that's coming out right now by pastors, evangelists, teachers. That's incredible. Just think about all the different categories of the Bible. Maybe 30 years ago, you didn't see much on where now you can find almost any topic in masses. And so before the turn of the 19th century... They said that knowledge increased every 100 years. After World War II, they said knowledge of humanity was increasing every 25 years. Right now, human knowledge increases every 13 months. That's how rapidly things are changing. Now get this. IBM Corporation said that all technology that they're involved with changes every 13 hours. So that cell phone you bought last week, it's outdated. Your computer's outdated. So again, you begin to see in our society that we live in how things are rapidly increasing, not only in knowledge, but in time. I personally believe this. We are literally walking out the last days. We are beginning to see it shape right before our very eyes. Turn with me back just a couple pages to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8. Now, I encourage you to read these on your own time. And ask the Lord to, to, to open the eyes of your understanding to help you understand this stuff. Because it's very important that we get a hold of this. Uh, Daniel chapter 8 verse 23. And in the latter time or the end time of their kingdom... When the transgressors have reached their fullness, sin is at its height, wickedness exceeds the limits of God's mercy. Now, this is what he's talking about. When sin has come to a place, and if you go back and you look in the times of Noah and in the times of Lot, that's exactly what happened in both of those times. The sin of mankind became so great that Father God said, that's enough. 
Now, this is what he's talking about here. When the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise. This is talking about the Antichrist, okay? Having fierce features or a fierce countenance, who understands sinister schemes, he's the master of intrigue. He's the master of craftiness. And you begin to see there'll there'll be things that will begin to define him here of trickery. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully, shockingly, or extraordinary, and shall prosper and thrive. And so understand this about the, the Antichrist. He'll begin to prosper and he'll begin to thrive. Keep reading. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Wow. The mighty and the holy people. Verse 25. Through his cunning. Now it's interesting the word cunning right there because it's the same word that described the devil in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. It says the devil was more cunning than any creature of the field. So again, the Antichrist will be a human that will, will do things under the supervision or the power of the devil, okay? He shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. He will be the master of deception. Again, I believe this is part of the reasons Jesus says don't be deceived. He goes on to say this. He shall cause the deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. Interesting statement right there. See, we live in a society right now where people think because I have certain possessions, certain wealths, that my prosperity has become my security. My only security that I can have is Jesus, okay? I'm not saying possessions are wrong, but when I look at them like I can buy myself out of anything, it's not going to happen, okay? And if you look what he said right here, he shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princesses. This is Revelations 19, 19 and 20. This shows how smart this guy is. He thinks that he can rise up against the prince of princesses, the Lord Jesus. Keep reading. But he shall be broken without human means by hand or power. And the vision of evenings and mornings which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. Now, this is what was said to uh, Daniel, verse 27. And I, Daniel, I fainted and was sick for days afterward. I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished or greatly troubled by the vision, but no one understood it. Now, it is understandable that such a, a weighty spiritual experience could literally affect Daniel physically. What he saw in this vision, it affected him physically. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been around things spiritually that begin to affect you physically? I've had stuff like this happen, especially in the last five years. Or some of the things of the kingdom of God would, would rock me so much. And in studying these last probably six weeks on this area... There's times in my life right here that when I begin to study these end time things, it it literally rocked me. 
I would wake at night. And that's why I said earlier there became a fear of God upon me. And unlike any other ways in my life that I've experienced, there's times right now that I can get in the presence of the Lord. And I can just begin to weep. When we sing the song, just a little while longer, Lord, and I'll see you. It it affects me because this stuff is not a fairy tale. This is going to actually happen. Now turn with me to the book of Revelations chapter 11. Revelations chapter 11. I just got a couple more passages this morning. That we'll highlight in here. Just to help us. Not to bring a fear upon anybody, okay? But he said you need to get some understanding in this area. So we're trying to give it to you, alright? Revelations 11, verse 1. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it. For it has been given to the Gentiles, or it's been given over to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city under a foot for 42 months, for three and a half years, okay? There's a seven-year period in there that's very significant when you study this. This part will last three and a half years, where what he's talking about here is the Gentile will literally take over parts of Jerusalem. Keep reading. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. That's three and a half years. Anytime you see the word sackcloth or ashes mentioned in the New Testament, even the old, it symbolizes uh, repentance. That for three and a half years, there's going to be a call, repent, 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 repent. Keep my heart right. He goes on to say in verse 4, These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing by the God of the earth. Now the two lampstands and the two witnesses, they are symbols of these ministers ministering within the church of our Lord Savior Jesus. And not only will they preach the word, they'll confirm the word with signs and following. Now many refer to these two right here as... Joshua, which represented civil religion, or a man named Zerubbabel, which represented the the civil uh, structure of our society, this world. Also, it represents two guys, and I believe you'll really see this in the next few verses, the two men that it really signifies to me is uh, Elijah, which was the prophets, and Moses, which was the law. Now, watch this as we keep reading here. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls on the days of their prophecy. That was what Elijah did. If you'll remember that in 1 Kings 17, with the prophets of Baal and a man named uh, Ahab, Elijah the prophet said, listen guys, it's not going to rain for over three years, and it didn't. And so again, you begin to see these witnesses will resemble him. Keep reading with me, and he goes on to say, they'll have power over waters to turn them to blood and strike the earth with plagues as often as they desire. 
This was Moses in Exodus 7. Okay, this is exactly what he did with the Pharaoh. Actually, these two guys, Elijah and Moses, were the two that were mentioned in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. So I believe it gives us insight. These two are going to come back to earth, and this is what's going to happen. Now watch what goes on here. Verse 7. When they finish or complete their testimony... The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. The the statement there, make war, is an appropriate description of the persecution of the church. The church is going to come under great persecution, okay? Keep reading. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. That great city is not literally here, the physical city of Jerusalem, but spiritually the world that is in rebellion against God. So what happens? The world starts rebelling against Father God. When it talks here about Sodom, it's it's talking about the immorality of mankind. And on the last part there, when it talks about Egypt, it's literally talking about the world in a political oppression Against the things of God. So you're going to begin to see all that unfold. So it says there he kills them. Keep watching. Then from those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days. And they will not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth or in the world will rejoice over them. They will make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now, why it's talking about all this right here, guys, is these two prophets tell people to repent. They try to lead people back to the things of God. And you know what the people said? We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear any of that stuff. Now, let me highlight something that I really begin to get a hold of in verse 9. If you go back there and look, it said the whole world, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue would witness these two men dead for three and a half days. Let me ask you something. How can the whole world witness that? This is the first time in society that that's possible. Because of a thing called satellite TV and the internet. Never in the history of mankind has this been possible until right now. So again, to me... He's showing us another sign of what's going to begin to take place. So I go back and I look at so much of what we've talked about, how travel, people going to and fro begins to pick up. The increase in knowledge begins to pick up. And then when you see this happen right before our eyes, where whatever's going around the world, we can go home today and we can watch it. We can see it live right now on the internet. Like I said a minute ago, this is the first time that's ever happened. So, would you agree that we are beginning to see the things that Daniel talked about literally coming to pass right before our eyes? 
Now watch this. Verse 11. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. That word breath there in the Hebrew is the word ruah. R-U-A-H. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit entered them. Now I will tell you this. I believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I mean over and over the Lord Jesus. He said you got to have the Holy Spirit. It's not by might nor by power. It's by the Spirit of God. Is what Zechariah prophesied. And so Jesus himself said there in Acts 1-4, he said, I command you, don't depart from Jerusalem until you receive the promise, which was the Holy Spirit. So again, right here, the significance on the earth right now is the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking weird stuff, guys, okay? I'm not talking people running around and screaming and acting all foolish. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman, okay? He's the love of God on the inside of us. He's the, the fruit of the Spirit we find in Galatians 5, and 23. So he says, the Ruah, the life from God, entered them. And they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. I guess so. They've been there three and a half days, and all of a sudden they, they rise back up. And he says in verse 12, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. Now, this is big for me and you to understand this because they were alive, they were dead, and they're alive again. How does that pertain to me and you? Well, you think about the Lord Jesus' life. He was alive, he was dead, and he was alive again. He rose. When we look at the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, the very last verse of that in verse 24, it talks about the prodigal son and it said, he was dead and alive again. So for me and you, this shows me again right here that truth remains victorious. We're going to win, okay? We may live, die, and be alive again, whether that's spiritually or even physically, I believe the Lord's saying, I'm going to take care of you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be good. Now, I got one more passage I want to get to here. Go to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Matthew, chapter 25. See, God's going to take care of his righteous. That's what King David said. I've never seen my righteous forsaken. And I want you to understand this today. Eternity with Jesus is more than a one-time confession, okay? We've seen several times in Matthew 25 with the parable of the virgins, how five of them said, Lord, Lord, Lord. And he said, I never knew you. We find that on many occasions in the Bible where people referred to him as Lord. So it's more than a one-time confession. And let me say this to you also. Don't let man define what's right or wrong in this world. Only the Word of God. I must live by the Word of God. I must live by the consistency of the Word of God. And if anything is, is opposite or contradicts the Word of God, then it's false. So I must base my life off the Word of God. In John 1, 1, it said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so that's how I'm to live my life. Now, watch this in Matthew 25. Begin with me in verse 31. 
When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his throne in his glory. Now, the same way that Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts 1 verse 11 is very similar how he's going to come back. Okay? And when he comes back, he's going to judge the nations. Verse 32. And all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left hand. Now, there's going to be a separation. Do, you, do we see this? This is not a fairy tale, okay? This is actually going to happen. On, on, on his left will be the goats, and on his right will be the sheep. Understand with goats and sheep, they really resemble each other a lot. But there's going to be some differences within them. And what's going to take place is the ones on the right are going to go into a place called eternal heaven, paradise. But the ones on the left are going to go to a place called eternal damnation where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so this is what Jesus is going to do on that day. Keep reading. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. Now, watch what he says here because this is really beginning to get me. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, it's interesting right here that he's talking about good or charitable deeds. Works don't get me into heaven, okay? They're not the root, but they are the fruit. There ought to be things that resemble that I'm born again, that Jesus is Lord of my life. So in this passage right here, note he didn't say they just confess me as Lord. No, he tells the separation between the goats and the sheep, and he lists six things in there. And he says, number one, Are you hungry too? Are you thirsty? Hospitality, clothing, sick or in prison. So literally he's talking about a condition of my heart. Now watch what he goes on to say, verse 37, or verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and he said, wait a minute, I jumped way ahead. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in her neck and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, As surely I say to you, as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You did it to me. And so when I begin to look at this in my life, I have to judge my own heart and I look and I think, I'm unhealthy in a lot of these areas. If this is part of my measuring stick of the separation between a goat and a sheep, how well am I doing at this? That's what I said. I'm I'm unhealthy in some of these areas. I look and I think, "I, I don't know if some of these describe me. But yet this is what the Lord Jesus said And then he says here in verse 44, Therefore they also will answer and say, Lord, 
They said, Lord, the goats said, Lord. So again, it shows me right here that the goats had confessed him as Lord of their life. But there was no characteristics or fruit in their life that resembled that he was Lord of their lives. So again, where are you at? Where am I at? He says in, in, in John 13, 35, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. In Matthew 24, verse 12, he says, in these last days, the love of many will grow cold. He was talking about Christians. We get so busy, caught up in life, that we forget other people. Is my life only about me and my wife and my own family? And you know what? We're going to heaven, but so what with the rest of you? And so I'm telling you things in my own life. The Lord said to me, he said, you're unhealthy in these areas. Again, we can be warned all day long about the things that Daniel prophesied. And those are good things. But when it ultimately comes to doing the word of God, do I do it? Oscar's going to come out here this morning. He's going to do a, a, a drama for you through this, this passage. And I want you to watch real close because it'll pin the tail on the donkey real quick. I ask you as you watch this, open up your heart and let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. So I'm telling you right now, there, there has been a correcting and a purging in this guy's life through this, all right? When the Son of Man comes and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit on his glorious throne. And he shall divide the nations before him as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he shall put the sheep on his right and he shall put the goats on his left. And he shall say to the sheep, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and, and you clothed me. I was a stranger and, and you invited me in. I was sick and I was in prison and you came to me. Thank you. Now enter into your rest. And they shall say to him, yes, they, they shall say to him, Lord, when? Lord, when were you hungry and and we gave you something to eat. Lord, when were you thirsty and we gave you something, something to drink? Lord, when were you naked and we clothed you? Lord, when, when, were, you, when were you a stranger and we invited you in? I mean, we invited a lot of people in. <laughs> Lord, when were you sick and, and we came to you? Or in prison and, and we visited you? Tell us. And as much as you've done it to the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. And as much as you've done it to the very least of my brethren, you've done it unto me.
and he shall turn to those on his left, the goats, and he shall say, depart from me, you cursed ones, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was naked, out in the cold and in exposure, and you sent me away. I was a stranger, and I knocked on your door, but you wouldn't open. You told me to go away. I was sick, racked in pain upon my bed, and I begged, and I pleaded, and I prayed that you come, but you didn't. I was in prison. And I rotted there! I prayed that you'd come and I heard your programs on the radio. I, I, I read your magazines, but you didn't come. So depart from me. Lord, there must be some mistake. I mean, when? When were you hungry and we didn't give you something to eat? I'm, when were you thirsty and we didn't give you something to drink? I mean, that's not fair. I, well, are, are, you third, are you hungry now? I mean, do you want something? Hey, will one of the angels go and get the Lord a hamburger or a Coke? I, oh, you're not hungry? I, I lost my appetite too. <laughs> Lord, when were you naked? I mean, that's not fair either. We didn't know what size you wear. <laughs> Lord, when were you a stranger? You weren't one of those crazy people at the door, were you? I mean, that wasn't our ministry. We just, we just didn't feel led, Lord. I mean, <sighs> Lord, when were you sick? I, I hope it wasn't fatal. <laughs> what was? Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I would, would have sent you a card. <laughs> Lord, one last thing. When were you in prison? What were you in for anyway? I mean, I have a really good lawyer. Enough! And as much as you've not done it to the very least of my brethren, you have not done it unto me. In as much as you've not done it to the very least of my brethren, you have not done it unto me. Depart from me. And these shall go into an everlasting fire, but the righteous <laughs> into eternal life. Eternal life. <laughs> now, my friends, the only difference between the sheep and the goats, according to this scripture, is what they did and didn't do. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.